welcome to the very first episode of the Brush Builders Union podcast. I'm Simon Berman, General President of the Brush Builders Union, and I am joined for this first episode by hobby legend Dave Taylor. How's it going, Dave? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Freshly returned from Adepticon and all of your projects there, and uh, I'm really excited to talk to you again. It's been a little while since we spoke. Yeah, it has. Uh, it's very cool to uh, to be able to be on the, the first episode. Very excited about that. Yeah, thanks so much for joining me. You know, um, if you're listening, uh, Dave is one of my own personal hobby idols. He's been in the industry forever, uh, doing amazing stuff. You want to talk a little bit about what you've done, just to give people some some context, or should, would you like me to uh, give your uh, bona fides? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Uh, broad strokes, uh, I have been painting for what is it now? Twenty eight years, painting toy soldiers for twenty eight years. Um, I've worked in uh, the toy soldier business for 25 years now something like that uh and over that time i've painted a, a lot of models painted a lot of armies i think it's like over ten thousand models that i've painted Ten thousand models there you go yeah yeah we sat down and worked it out one day it was like that's ridiculous <laughs> yeah <laughs> and yes yes the answer is yes it is ridiculous <laughs> ridiculously cool Yep. It's, it's very nice. Obviously, I don't still own all of those models. A lot of them I painted for, um, might have painted on commission or painted for Games Workshop when I worked for them. Sure. But I'm, I hope that there are still stores in Australia that have um, have my models in the cases. That would be cool. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, you're uh, you're from Australia, but you live in uh, Maryland now, right? I do, yeah. I live in Baltimore. Um, I moved over here about, was it 17 years ago? Just over 17 years ago? Yeah, originally I worked for Games Workshop in Australia. And then uh, 2002, moved over to work for Games Workshop in the U.S. I uh, worked for Games Workshop U.S. until 2000 and the end of 2008. Uh, beginning of 2009, I started working for Wargames Illustrated. Worked for them for five years. And then started my own business called uh, Dave Taylor Miniatures. And it's basically uh, a consulting business for um, small miniature companies so to help them sort of fill gaps in their skill sets. And then you uh, you also do some uh, terrain making as well, don't you? Uh, yep. Yeah, I've, uh, I've made terrain for uh, different folks. I think uh, there was a, a, when was it? We met over a uh, terrain building project. Yeah. Um, last year, which mm -hmm. was um, making those cool display boards for uh, Planet of the Apes. Yeah, that was those look great. They were really beautiful. Uh, yeah, I was really stoked with how they turned out. It, um, I mean, it was a great setting, and it was really interesting to to build up those um those boards and all those layers of leaf debris and and other foresty kind of bits and pieces yeah those, those beautiful redwood trees sort of like sort of cut off at the top because they you know they always to be too large at that scale for a, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was very cool so uh, yeah you know i just wanted to talk to you maybe a little bit about you know your own philosophy on painting and you know as, as a guy who paints armies for you know um whole armies that's that's one of your, your real focuses in fact you uh you wrote a whole book about that i did i did indeed um Armies and Legions and Hordes is a book that I wrote last year. Took it to Kickstarter last March, April, uh, and was finally able to deliver it to backers um, in February, which was really nice, very exciting. Uh, but yeah, so I wrote a book. Um, whenever you're writing stuff, people, like, they always say write about what you know. So it was like, I know about completing armies, like getting them all the way to done, um, or mostly done, I guess, because when is an army ever really finished? It's true. Uh, but, um, yeah, so I wrote a book about that, uh, about uh, a lot of the, the front half, the front part of the book, um, which for me is kind of the most important part, is, is almost like a project management kind of book where it talks about the different, all the different things that go into uh, build, building an army, painting an army, and seeing it all the way through to completion. So there's um, things like inspiration, uh, goals that you set yourself, um, expectations that you have, uh, and how you can manage those, uh, planning different ways or different thoughts about planning out your project, things to consider, uh, and motivation, uh, which is always uh, some people find that really tough to uh, stay motivated throughout the whole process. Yeah, you know, I, I backed the book on Kickstarter myself, um, and you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really beautiful book, by the way. Um, Thank you. But I was I was really impressed with that that sort of introductory those introductory chapters where you know you really sort of broke down you know um, how you how you attack painting a whole army because you know I, I think it, it it can be really an overwhelming situation even for um, you know a, a, a veteran painter 
because yep. there's there's always that moment where you know you start the army and you're all excited and you you've got your pile of, of blisters and boxes and sprues and then it's like oh well now I actually have to do this thing don't I um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and you know I I think for a lot of people that getting started is not necessarily the hard part but seeing it through is difficult and you know there, there's so many great books on miniatures painting out there that that talk about you know technique. And but and um, you know specific skill sets and stuff um, or tutorials. But I thought it was really really cool to see you know a, a, a real look at, you know at the philosophy of you know how do I how do I get a whole army painted? What are the things I can do to to yeah. make that happen from start to finish and not lose um, focus or get discouraged? You know when you're you're painting your eighty fifth night goblin, yes. <laughs> you know, how do you not lose your mind right there? Um, exactly. I, I yeah. Your little system was really great. I'm looking through my book right now. What is it? You're, so you've got sort of a, a multi-step approach, don't you? Do you, you had a oh, look at the the, the goals. They're using this that that terminology, the smart terminology. Yeah, um, that's one that's used in uh, quite a few businesses. Sure, yeah. they use that, and and they are very. It is a very good thing to sort of go through and do, because a lot of us go, oh yeah, well I'm going to have this painted by um, the tournament next week. I'm gonna have this army finished by the tournament next week. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. You've you've hit some of it, but you haven't. You, you might you've presented a goal, and it might be um, specific. So it's finish the army. So whatever list you're taking to the tournament is the sort of a time bound thing. You've you've given yourself a a time frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if if you're talking about I've got to paint two thousand points of night goblins uh, by the tournament next week. That might be uh, like an unrealistic goal that you set yourself. Um, it wouldn't wouldn't fit the achievable. But yeah, SMART stands for it. So you've got specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. So whenever you're setting a goal, if you go through and check that each of those applies to the goal that you want to set, um, then you're, you're going to be in a, in a good spot. Uh, right. Otherwise, uh, you might just end up with schmert. Schmert. Yeah. Which uh, which we can achieve. <laughs> I've done that a couple times myself, but um, yeah, I think we all have. Yeah, but uh, no, I know. I thought it was. I just think it's really great to have this sort of breakdown of you know um, yeah. setting those goals and, and you know actually you know having it sort of a, a thought on how to work towards them. You know, yeah, um, I think the um, one of the thing one of the fun things that I had um, when I was writing it is I I didn't want to write it for a particular type of hobbyist. Uh huh. Um, or a, somebody at a particular level in their painting skills or their painting journey. Uh, I wanted it to be to cover cover a fairly wide um, spectrum, but uh, have people like, so people can read through it and go, "Oh, I, I, that happens to me." Oh, yeah, that happens to me. And it might be like two or three things out of each of those uh, introductory chapters that um, that they connect with, and it's like, okay, well, this will help them overcome that hurdle it, really that's what it, it's all about so overcoming the hurdles along the way um so yeah it doesn't doesn't matter if you're a golden demon level painter or you cracked open your first set of paints a month ago mm-hmm. uh, it's it will have something in there for you yeah absolutely and you know it, it's funny um when i was when i was sort of thinking up the ideas that that became brush builders union which is you know really started well, it really, it started several years ago, but you know, in in depth, I started putting it into uh, effect last summer. Sure. And, uh, you know, so, so many of the things you talk about in the book, as far as um, setting those achievable goals and just just getting the work done, um, were sort of you know founding principles that I when I was writing the Union Pledge and doing all that. A lot of that stuff was kind of in the back of my head. Sure. Um, and, you know, and then I, I got a copy of the book, and I was like, oh, Dave said a lot of this stuff better than I did. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, I had a really good editor. He was able yeah. to massage my words. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I just found, you know, so much of your your philosophy on painting congruent with the stuff that I, I was trying to do and hope I'm doing with, with Brush Builders Union. It's, it's yeah. um, cool. But um, I, I think it's it's it's, um, it's one of those things that it can, it, a lot of stuff can be boiled down to some fairly simple steps that uh, as long as you take and as long as you're mindful of them. Mindfulness is a really big thing, I think. Um, as long as you understand what you're doing or why you might be having trouble along the way, um, it's a, the simple steps, are, which are fairly fairly common, fairly straightforward. Uh, but it's just making sure you're thinking about them, really. 
Yeah. You know, and, you know, like you said, you know, I, I guess the smart, the, the sort of smart method, I don't know what the, the terms that would be, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's applied in business and such, but um, yeah. I think it's really valuable seeing that applied to miniatures painting because, you know, there's, again, you know, you see lots of stuff out there for, you know, the, the top end pro painters, who, you know, do comp- competition painting or studio painting. Um, and, you know, and they're, they're looking to achieve very, very specific high end results um, that are not necessarily going to be, you know, terribly useful to somebody who's trying to, you know, paint a whole army. And, you know, I, well, I think it's always great to have those high end skills. You know, if your if your ultimate goal is to play games with your army, I think, I think it's easy to sort of trip over yourself trying to paint to the, those really high standards. Um, and, uh, you know, while, it, while I, I think I'm rambling a little bit, but while there's, um, there's lots of stuff out there to, you know, sort of walk you through painting those high end miniatures, there isn't a whole lot out there on, you know, you know, how do I, how do I see my goal of just getting my army on the table? Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it's really valuable to, to have that spelled out, even if it is sort of common knowledge elsewhere, just seeing it actually applied to miniatures is uh, hugely useful. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, one of the things that uh, when when the book first got out into the world, uh, there was a guy, uh, Frank McKinney uh, from uh, Tiny Plastic Space, Tiny Plastic Spaceman um, blog. He did a uh, like a video flip through of the book um, and he did it right from scratch. He hadn't opened it beforehand, uh, so he just slid it out of the slip case and started leafing through it. And uh, when he got to the to my um, Jenswick 33rd Rifles uh, Army, which is the one, um, the Imperial Guard Army that's converted from Bretonians, right? He um, he was looking at it and goes, "Oh yeah, now we've got a sort of big spread, and we've got lots of photos of this really cool army." And then he he pauses a little bit and goes, "Actually, and the painting on that is really achievable." Yeah, <laughs> and it was like that. That uh, some people might have looked at that as a, like a slight. Like, oh, you should have said it was it was fantastic, but it was like, uh, no, I like to think my painting is achievable for um, for sort of anybody. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, honestly, I, I think that's really inspirational in a lot of ways, right? You know, because you know, I mean, the reality is that you know most people don't have the time uh, or the skill to produce, you know, a, a, a Citadel Workshop level painted army once yeah. twice a year, right? I mean, who who can do that? People who get paid full time to do it. Um, Sure. And, you know, and if, if that is your goal, you know, that's great. Um, but, you know, it's, it's going to take you it's going to take you six months to do it, probably. Um, you know, and again, I, I just think it's great to see this sort of conversation happening because, you know, I think for the for the average painter, there's there, there hasn't been as much um, support out there. And, you know, just just getting your stuff on the table or to a level you're happy with and not not beating yourself up for, you know, non-metallic metal effects or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the things that I want to do. Um, in there as well is so yeah you got stuff like um the uh painting that duncan rose does on um warhammer tv for example sure it shows you a, a very straightforward um recipe paint recipe and tells about how to apply it um that's great those, those things are really good uh for helping you get sort of past that step of oh what do i do next what what colors do i use here or should i experiment with everything um but you get the, the opportunity to to get a, a nice, quick, solid method, um, and hopefully, but there isn't a lot that tells you from there. Like, here's how you then go and apply that to fifty guys or hundred guys or whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, it, I think there are some good sections in the book there that talk about how to set yourself. Basically, it's about how to set yourself up for success. Right. As you're going, and I. Mean, I uh, I'm a big fan of sort of working out what I expect or yeah, what my expectations are for any painting project and also for sort of a lot of stuff in life. So I always like to plan with people and check that everybody's agreed on what we're going to do mm-hmm. so that I know what to expect Yeah, uh, so that I'm not disappointed at the end. Um, and it's, it's that kind of thing. I think it's important with, with large projects that can take, can take a long time, can take six months um that that we sit down we understand what we expect if we expect that we're going to paint two guys a week that's okay and if we get it's, and if we go in there and we paint two guys a week that's fantastic we have those two guys painted during the week and then on sunday we're able to sit down and paint another 10 woohoo that's yeah. awesome <laughs> we just uh like couldn't top all our output so um it's it's about just sort of doing things like that uh, also stuff like uh let's say I said, I'm going to finish this army of 50 models 
in uh, two months' time. So you might look at that and go, okay, well, two months, 60 days, so it's roughly one model a day. As long as I get through, through one model a day, I'm going to be fine. Sure. I would suggest there <laughs> that, <laughs> that you actually go, you, you say, okay, I'm going to paint two models a day. Uh, and you work on that average. Right. Undoubtedly, there's going to be something called life that comes along. There sure and, is. And <laughs> throws a spanner in it all. So uh, that way you're not disappointed at the end. You still get to your sort of conclusion. Uh, and life has been able to happen along the way. Yeah, no doubt. So drifting a little bit away from the, the direct contents of the book, I was, sort of, I was wondering, you know, um, when you, uh, when you approach painting, is, is there a, a studio style of painting you have drifted towards or uh, have you sort of ended up with your own? I mean, in the way that Citadel uses edge highlighting, privateer turns towards two brush blending. Um, I was curious if there's, if there's any sort of comfortable techniques you've found that, you know, help you get, these projects accomplished on a regular basis, or if you've ended up with an amalgamation of many skills, which I expect is probably the answer, but I thought I'd ask anyway. Yeah. Yep. Um, it is probably, uh, more an amalgamation of stuff as far as, uh, techniques that I use, um, regularly, uh, probably, um, feathering, like I do a lot of layering, mm -hmm. um, is so a lot of, um, layering style highlighting. I don't do a lot of, um, blending or wet blending, um, that kind of thing. Uh, cause that, takes takes time uh, and I'm not particularly skilled at it so <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah for, for a lot of my uh, layering um, I do what I what, what's called feathering so that helps me with my sort of get some sort of uh, kind of faux blends going on sure uh, but basically yeah that's that's where at the the edge of a, a large area I'm just moving my brush really quickly and creating little tiny sort of feather marks mm -hmm. um, that give you a from a distance, give you it's like a visual impression of blended paint, but uh, up right. close you can definitely see the see the <laughs> feathering. I mean, that's that's that's, that's really a legit um, technique, though, because I mean, you know, especially when oh, you're yeah. if you're not painting for competition, most of the time you're seeing your figure, you know, three four feet away from you, right? Once once it's yep. on the, the table. Yep, exactly. Um, one of the other things uh, that I, I suppose I'd mention is uh, when I worked at, uh, for a games workshop in the U.S., I was working in the promotion studio. And at the time, we had we were lucky that we were able to do a lot of different um, sort of cool and exciting products like um, uh, Warhammer Skirmish, uh, the General's Compendium, uh, things like that. Where uh, and all of the the sort of huge um, mail order bits tomes that we did, uh, there was a lot of opportunity for painting models that were going to go into a publication. Uh, so none of us were were really. Uh, Golden Demon level or heavy metal level sure. uh, painters, but uh, there are a few tricks that we all sort of tried to use if we knew our models were going into a um, into a publication, and that was pushing our contrast a little bit more. I think when um, yeah, the photography can can flatten the look of a model. So if we you push that contrast a little bit more, a little bit further, or those those highlights are just a little bit brighter than you might normally do. Um, it's going to stand out a little bit more in photography. And fortunately it also improves that, that look from that three or four feet that you're talking about. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, that's, that's a really good piece of advice. I mean, that's something I've always, I, I've struggled with myself as you know, you're, you're painting your miniature. And um, when you start doing those, those high contrast highlights, it starts to look cartoonish when you're up close. Um, and, you know, and I, th I think that's a, that's a real hurdle that I think a lot of people have where, you know, you're like, Oh, uh, you know, I, it's highlighted enough, you know, it, it looks great. And then you really, you put the model down, you know, you walk away and you, as you're walking back and you see it three feet away, you can't see any of the work you just did. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, it's, it's important to do that work because, you know, it, it's going to make your final extreme highlights, you know, really, really pull it together. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's counterintuitive to a certain degree. Yeah. It's one thing when I, um, and one, one great method for getting uh, armies painted fairly quickly is the, of course the, like the dip method or the, um, I mean, the method that the army painter of turning right. into a business. Um, my suggest, I, I always suggest almost all the time is once you've dipped and you've, you've dipped and flicked and you let it dry and you hit it with the, the matte varnish, they always come back and do some highlights. Yeah. Because those, uh, the dips, the, the varnish will um, tend to uh, reduce your contrast. Sure. Bring everything back to, towards a very similar sort of tonal quality. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I always go back. I, I, I do that, use that technique fairly regularly, uh, but maybe with, uh, rather than the, the pots of varnish, I'll use a, like acrylic washes, like um, the Strong Tone from Manu Painter or uh, Agrax Earthshade, for example. I know probably a lot of people who will be listening will be fans of Agrax Earthshade. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, actually, I'm, I'm interested to hear about the uh, Strong Tone Army. Is that, is that from Army Painter? Yeah, so um, the a lot about that lately. I guess it's been around for a while, but it's just been it's just popped up on my radar in the last few months. I just I've been hearing about okay. it everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, they have. Um, so the basically when they started out, they had a like a range. Of, well, actually, when they started out, they were just using sort of anybody else's paints, and they had uh, the tins of um, stain essentially. Uh, so they had a a dark tone, which was like a black kind of basis. Uh, a strong tone, which is the the deep brown and a soft tone which is more of a sepia kind of look right um so they had those in in tins that and essentially it was just like it was a lot like um wood varnish uh-huh. but uh as they've expanded their range and they've created their their paint range and and that sort of thing they have those similar uh basically a similar color result but in a um just in an acrylic wash but they've named them the same thing. So you have the, you can get a little bottle, like a little dropper bottle yeah. of soft tone or strong tone or dark tone. Um, they've also got like purple and red and green and, and that sort of thing. I've got a pot of the, the purple, purple and the red. Actually, I'm using the red for my, um, what do you call it? For my Gene Steeler cult army that I'm working on at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, just putting that red, red tone wash straight over a white undercoat on the flesh. It's fantastic. Yeah. No. You almost don't have to do anything else to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm getting ready to paint a uh, small but not not insignificant Kador uh, War Machine army for uh, Lock and Load, which is coming up in, in mid June. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, it, it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to. It. I, I haven't. You know, I, I, I worked at Privateer Press for many years, um, and when yeah. I when I left a few years ago, I haven't really I haven't really messed with War Machine since, just because you know I think. When you when you work in the candy factory, you maybe get a little tired of candy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm excited to you know uh, paint up a new army and, and bring it to lock and load and hopefully play with some uh, union members I know who are going to be at the show. Um, but it does mean I'm, I'm I have to paint an army from scratch in a you know not short amount of time, but not a long one either. And I, I have some other commission work to do in there too. So I'm I've been kind of eyeing army painter as a possible um, solution to getting these. 18 or 19 or so models that I need to get painted done in that time frame without. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, and very definitely. That's I mean, that, that, that approach to, to painting where you base coat, essentially base coat the entire model and dip it in the appropriate um, tone of, uh, of shade. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely a way to go, but yeah, uh, definitely a, a quick way to go. But I think um, as long as you come back and, and do the highlights and right. that sort of thing, you can get a really great result very quickly. Yeah, you know, um, I've never used the Army Painter system myself, but I'm, I'm so happy it's out there because I think I think it encourages a lot of people who might not otherwise finish painting their armies or even start painting their armies to do it because it's it's, it's a very accessible method. And, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it's it's I've seen so many uh, War Machine armies in particular back when I was doing community work there. Um, you know, and I I talked to to players who uh, you know like you know this is the first time I've ever painted. I got I got into Army Painter, and you know, it, it, I'm, I'm actually doing it now and you know it, it's cool because you know some of those some of those guys you know they, they go on and they learn more advanced techniques and you know maybe they only apply it to the characters in their army or whatever but it's it's been it's been really cool seeing people use that to, to get it on the table yeah yeah exactly exactly um i don't i'm not sure if you saw um if you have a look at the the army painters uh facebook page um and scroll back to uh some of the content from uh january i think it was like late january um adam uh who is there a sort of US rep? I uh, was working with um, Nick Nonavati. I'm probably saying that wrong, but he's one of the, the top 40K players in, um, in the US. And they sat down and they put together a list and they assembled, uh, or they or basically they painted and assembled um, a massive orc army in the space of two days. Oh, wow. And then uh, Nick took that to the LVO. Um, so the Las Vegas Open 40k tournament, which is one of the biggest 40k tournaments in the in the country, yeah, using that army, and it and it looked just fine. It was one where they sort of 
trimmed off different parts from the sprues and sprayed them all together so that like spray all the arms and the heads green, spray the, the torsos and the legs yellow, and then when it went in, painted silver, painted the blacks, painted whatever ever else they needed to paint, and then put the then dipped them and or then assembled them and then dipped them. Uh huh. So it was a pretty cool uh, sort of couple of little videos there to, to sort of check out how they they went through that process. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna look at that. That sounds really inspiring. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's rad. Um, you know, I think one of the one of the things that's cool is you know just having having all these different ways you can approach painting an army now we're, we're, we're so spoiled for it these days like i, I remember yeah. you know the late 90s you know when airbrushes were first starting to kind of pop up and it was it was seen as this like you know advanced master class you know only the the golden demon guys are messing with airbrushes and you know now they're 65 miniatures paint airbrushes on the market and everybody and their mother has one and it's it's you know it's there's so many ways to approach things now it's it's just it's great it's such a good time yeah. to be obviously no, it uh, is uh, it is definitely cool yeah, you know, I, I was, are, are there any particular tools in your arsenal that you you recommend, or you can't live without? Um, probably the, the only the only thing really I couldn't live without is a um, like a size two uh, sable brush. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that would be the the only thing uh, I've used. I basically, I've used that size. Um, I've used the um, broken toad brushes for a long time. Are, are those out of production? Sadly, yes. Yeah. Uh, Chris wasn't able to uh, to get things sourced the way that he wanted to. Sure. Uh, and so, unfortunately, yeah, there won't be any more of those. So now I need to find another <laughs> another go-to <laughs> brush. But at the moment, I'm trying the um, some of the uh, Igniter wicks, I think, from um, Slow Fuse Gaming oh, slash nice. Monument Gaming, and uh, and they're working out pretty well. They apparently they they tend to be a little. They size. They, I think they said they were sized like half a size smaller than standard. So at the moment, I'm working with a size three, so it's kind of a two and a half. That actually sounds. I, I'd I'd love to have like a, a one and a half. Right. That sounds yeah. like a really ideal size to me. Actually, you know, I, I I go back and I I think a two is probably my 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 work brush, but I I use a one quite a bit. Right. And that 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 mid size might be really good for the, the way my. Yeah, no, definitely uh, check out the twos. And what was that company again? Uh, so if you look at uh, Slow Fuse, mm-hmm. uh, Jason does a, a lot of um, Twitch streaming uh, as Slow Fuse, uh, but they've recently sort of all come under sort of the umbrella of uh, so Slow Fuse and Creature Caster. Oh, Creature Caster. Umbrella of um, like Monument is the name of the company. I, I didn't get a chance to have a chat with them at uh, Adepticon to find out exactly what the full story was, but it's a, a big sort of match made in heaven kind of thing going on. Sure. Actually, speaking of Adepticon, I, was, I wanted to ask, you know, I, I was I was really sad to not be there this year. Um, hopefully I'll be there for the union next year. That'd be uh, good. I was, I was curious, what, what was the coolest thing you saw at Adepticon this year? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I know I know it's a hard, it's, it's, you know, it's Sophie's choice, right? There's so much cool stuff at Adepticon every year. So much cool stuff going on. Um, I think uh, from a personal point of view. Yeah. Um, you know, the cool thing was seeing my book on, on sale oh, sure. at uh, <laughs> like three different vendors. Uh, and people, people walking up and buying it. And like, if I was like, there were times when I was standing nearby or I was chatting to the vendor and somebody walked up and said, Oh yeah, I've heard about this book. I really want to pick it up. Um, without knowing who I was and, and, uh, oh, I'm sure that's gratifying. so it's like, Oh, that's cool. Excellent. Yeah. So, um, that's for, on a personal note, that, that was me. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I always always love seeing the uh, the passion and the enthusiasm around the hobby area. Yeah, um, the the like Fort Wobble, so sure. uh, where uh, James gets in there and uh, sort of sets up and everybody sort of builds around that. Uh, there are loads and loads and loads of hobby seminars this year. Uh, they were running from like eight in the morning till eleven at night. Wow! Um, so so some folks were running. Um, most of the, the seminars were an hour and a half. Some of them were three or four hours. And I think the longest, I think there were a couple of uh, like full day, like eight, eight hour sessions. Yeah. Um, which would be just amazing. But uh, yeah, so many great uh, teachers there. Um, so that was fantastic. This year I actually had the uh, opportunity to uh, join the, the judging team for Crystal Brush. Oh, right on. So that was pretty amazing. Um, I got to work with, uh, 
Jose Palomares from uh, who's the the owner of Big Child Creatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do a lot of the um, they sort of create a lot of the um, concept art, the uh, sculpting, and then the painting for Simon. Uh, sure. So they they did a lot of the work on um, Dark Age and on Song of Ice and Fire, mm-hmm. um, Hate, uh, all those sort of really cool. Um, looking miniatures, but uh, so it was awesome to work with him. Uh, Jose has been a, I think he stopped sort of competitive painting about eight years ago, but before that he had like a good solid ten years of competitive miniature painting in the um, the the European circuit. So he's somebody who definitely knows his stuff. Uh, and I also got to meet Cat uh, Martin for the first time. She was on the the judging team, and I really love the way that she thinks about miniatures and about painted painted models and. Um, sort of as we were discussing what we were looking at for each of the entries, it was just a, a really cool, like a really nice eye opener. That's cool. Did you take any particular wisdom away from that? I, I think the, the most, the biggest thing that I sort of took away from it was that there's a lot of stuff that I still don't know. Sure. <laughs> uh, that I that I need to um, need to learn. And well, if if I wanted to, wanted to do that sort of thing for a for a living, I guess painting super high-end stuff or um, competing at the super high-end level or spending a lot of time judging at the super high-end high end level. There are things that I need to be more mindful of. Um, for for me, when I'm judging, it's, a lot of it is very much the ambience of the piece and the impression that it initially gives. But, uh, yeah, no, it was just a, it was a fantastic experience. It was really, really cool to see all of those awesome models up close. Yeah, I mean, the crystal brush cases at uh, Adepticon are always um... – aspirational yeah yep very much so there was a yeah so much so much going on there at uh not um i mean mean, like the last couple of years because i haven't been involved and i haven't been putting models in and i haven't been judging i uh haven't spent a lot of time looking at the the cases but uh everybody on the judging team who had previously was like oh yeah this this year's uh level of quality was uh sort of well above last year's, well above all, sort of all previous years. So yeah. that was exciting. And there are some fantastic, fantastic models that that didn't place. So many fantastic models that didn't place. It was, uh, it was amazing. God, I think that's the nature of that competition, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you have a when you have a competition that's very, um, very much, it's that podium, first, second, third kind of thing. There's only so there's only so many people who are going to win. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I do actually. Uh, I also. Judge the and the head judge for the uh, Capital Palette painting competition uh-huh. at, um, at Nova Open, and that one we run as a uh, an open format. So it's not uh, an open format is where sort of any number of people, any number of entries in a category can win gold or silver or bronze or a finalist pin or not place at all. Um, and the idea there is that it stops being about competing against somebody else or having a better piece than somebody else. It's about competing against yourself and your previous year's efforts. Sure. So, um, if it's something that you want to want to see yourself grow and, uh, advance in, um, your painting skill, it's a great format to attend on a sort of regular basis. It's a really good idea. And in fact, it, it gave me another idea that I'm, I'm not going to talk about just yet, but um, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. that, that, that may have solved a, uh, conundrum i've had about a, a union initiative so thank you dave oh, <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> and you were at adepticon uh you were doing a little promotion for another book weren't you i was yes um uh so the whole process of putting together my book of um doing the the kickstarter campaign working through writing the book uh, laying it out so i did the did the writing photography the layout uh one of my friends did the editing so, because it's one of those, I know, always know that whenever I write something, I'm not going to spot a mistake. Right. Because I thought I wrote it, wrote it correctly the first time. Um, but uh, so he, he came along and helped massage some of the words and got everything uh, spelled correctly. Uh, but so I did everything else and I sourced the printer and contacted them and uh, I had to get myself a logistics company. So I've got a logistics guy now, Peter. Oh, wow. Um, so if I need to move things around the world, I can call him and say, hey. But uh, so I learned how to do that. Um, 
I helped out with uh, some of the fulfillment in the US, my buddy uh, Alex from Reinhardt Artisans and all of that. So uh, there were a lot of things that I learned over that, that process that I really, and I, I really enjoyed learning them. And um, I definitely enjoy laying out books and assembling them, bringing all those sort of, bringing text and images together and putting them together in a sort of uh, aesthetically pleasing way. So I thought, hey, hmm, maybe uh, doing a whole bunch of really cool hobby books would be my sort of one of the next things that I do. So uh, I spoke to my uh, my friend Mel, Mel Bowes, the terrain tutor. Of course. Uh, who has an awesome YouTube channel with loads and loads and loads of tutorials. I think he's up around 500 videos at the moment. Wow. Um, I spoke to Mel and he agreed to write a book. So we're working on this project together. How far are we in? I think we've got about 10 days left on the Kickstarter, uh, but we are at Adepticon uh, running around talking to people and thrusting postcards in their hands and putting stickers on their backs and that kind of thing to uh, promote Terrain Essentials, which is the, the book that we're doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I booked it immediately. Um, it looks great. You know, and it really, I'm excited about it because, you know, I've, I've been looking to... Uh, actually learned how to do some terrain properly myself because it's always been it's always been an area of hobby that's, that sort of intimidated me and sure. uh, i've just i've just never gotten into it and i'm i'm very excited about this book because it's it's very specifically um an introductory guide for the, the basic techniques of, of building um gaming terrain and- yeah it's, um, it's it's one of the things um mel's uh mel's got a great way of explaining things of putting things in layman's terms um he spent a, he spent a bunch of time as a teacher uh so he knows sort of teaching methods as well. Yeah. So that will help him explaining a lot of things, but uh, rather than just, just the basic techniques and that sort of thing, there are going to be more advanced techniques in there as well, but all presented in that, um, in a sort of basic approach, basic method, um, basic language, I guess. Sure. Well, um, hey, yeah. One of the things I, I think I saw him talking about online was, um, you know, he hopes that the books will sort of act as a foundation um, for his more for his, his more sort of expert level videos, right? Where, you know, if you if you've yeah, so he wanted to explain himself over and over again for like, well, yes, this is how you build, you know, a hill. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, he he can use that as he can point to the book and go, you know, the the, the basic hills are in there, uh, and I'm going to show you how to do this, you know, snow covered mountaintop or or what have you. Um, I think that's that's really cool. Is it's going to be this sort of foundational text for his work. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, and one of the things, and it's great having 500 tutorials on a, on a YouTube site, but if you're very new to the hobby, uh, like tabletop wargaming hobby, and you go, okay, I'm going to make some terrain. And you look at that and go, I don't, I don't, which, what do I look at first? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Whereas um, a book is, is more finite and it has a, it has a deliberate structure. So mm-hmm. Start at the beginning. Work your right. way through. It's also easier to reference in a lot of ways too, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, you don't find the, the, the timestamp in the video you're looking for. And yeah. I think that's, that's, that's really good. You know, especially if you're, if you're watching along with a more um, advanced tutorial, you, know, you can just sort of flip to the page in the book and pause your video and, and see what you're talking about and get your, get your information that way. And that's, that's really appealing to me. Yeah. I, I think it's a, it's a great, um, great compliment because, the uh, com- like the book will complement the videos. The videos complement the book uh, because, as we know, we all learn differently. Uh, yeah, and I know I'm. It's kind of strange. I'm a visual and oral learner, so I'm, I'm going to remember uh, rather than remembering a lot of stuff that I've read. I'll remember a lot of stuff that I've heard. Sure. And when I can connect that to still pictures. <laughs> It's uh, that's that's the sort of uh, the sweet spot for my learning. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So, um, yeah, I mean, the book looks like it's great. I mean, you know, you guys you guys funded in what like seven hours? Yeah, actually, that yeah. that first uh, first day was uh, was pretty amazing. Uh, with Mel being a, a YouTuber, um, he likes to do as much stuff sort of live on YouTube as possible. Um, he does two two live streams a week, typically on a, like on a Thursday night from the studio and a Sunday night from his house, and. This time it was it was like we were launching on Friday, on a Friday night, or Friday afternoon, and it was like, oh yeah, we'll have a we'll have a live stream to get it going, Dave, and uh, we'll sit there and we'll, we'll chat, and if you can be in the chat answering questions, we'll probably run for about two hours, and I was like, okay, sure, that's cool, and uh, so we started at twelve thirty my time, twelve thirty p.m., so I'd had a little bit of lunch, and uh, was ready to go, and 
things just sort of blew up at uh, yeah. like crazy. We're uh, everybody's having a sort of a great old time on the the launch party, and yeah. So it was when was it? So seven. Yeah, we funded in just under seven hours. Wow. Uh, but yeah, so the whole time I was just answering questions, answering questions, sitting on my couch answering questions, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, it was it was amazing to to sort of go through, but I was really I, I will admit I was really excited that when, when we finished because then I could go to the bathroom, <laughs> but because uh, I just didn't want to miss anything because Mel was like uh, would look read a question and go oh Dave can answer that and I'd be like okay jump on and answer the question, um, but it was yeah it was a really really special special time it was great yeah that, that must have been a blast I'm sure yeah um, you know and I guess you guys are you're just knocking down those stretch goals now aren't you yeah yeah so. Um, Rather than doing uh, sort of presenting a campaign that's sort of like a, something like so like a board game, for example, that uh, this uh-huh. game might do, uh, where stretch goals might unlock add-ons or they might unlock freebies or whatever it happens to be, and in the end you've got sort of fifty different products that you can sort of pick and choose from. This is very much focused on the book. the The result, the end result, the, the focus of the campaign is to create the best book we can. Uh, so our aim is to get to 176 pages um, hardback, which will be the same size as Armies, Legions, and Hordes mm-hmm. um, as a terrain book. At the moment, we're at 136 pages. Uh, we're about to hit another stretch goal for uh, to add another eight pages to the book. So that we leave us with four more stretch goals between now and... Sunday the fourteenth. Oh, right on. So, I, uh, I, this this podcast should be out uh, before then. So you know, if you're listening, uh, go get in on that. Definitely check it out. So yeah, just head head to Kickstarter.com and type in Terrain Essentials, and that'll uh, that'll bring that up. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting that that it's nice to be able to keep the focus on the book. Because mm-hmm. um, sometimes you see uh, campaigns that they get distracted and yeah. it sort of veers away from the, the ultimate goal. But uh, we had, uh, we had a bunch of people at the start who were very excited about, um, Oh, why don't you do a t-shirt or do a coffee mug or paint water mug kind of thing. And it's like, ah, that'd be great. But we know that uh, all of our, our costs are based around it being a book, which is nice, yeah. well, reasonably flat, quite heavy. But then as soon as you like put it into, a, have to put it into a box that can fit a t-shirt and a mug, Right. Um, it it changes all of our costs, so we didn't want to end up sort of uh, losing <laughs> losing money on the the campaign. Yeah, we've had to sort of let people know. Oh, we'll get, we'll go and do some merch afterwards, but we'll deal with that oh, after. Right. The campaign. It was not sort of included in there. But we have um, we have added two add-ons to the the campaign during the course of it. Mm-hmm. Um, some of which, like I said, the second one definitely inspired by uh, the backers. Um, and the first one inspired by something that Mel wanted to do originally. Mel's a very, um, very tactile guy, obviously, uh, working with terrain. Uh, and what he wanted to do, at one point he said to me, um, so Dave, what's the quality of the paper like? Uh, and I was like, what, what do you mean? He goes, well, it take paint. I was like, why, why would it need to take paint? And he goes, because I love to paint in my books. So if I've, I've got a, like, he might, you might have an, a, a book that he's bought that has a great um, picture of the ocean in it. Uh-huh. He, he wants to mix those colors, so he'll mix them and then he'll dab it on directly onto the ocean, not next to it. He'll dab it directly onto the, <laughs> in the picture to see if he's got the right right color match. And it's like, uh, I understand some people are going to be okay with doing that, but quite a lot of people won't. Um, but so what, what we agreed to do um, is we've put together a uh, it's like a double sided full color uh, laminated sheet. Mm-hmm that has Mel's like top five colors for I think eight or 10 different environments uh, with a little color swatch and a little sort of blank space next to it. Mm-hmm. So that people can mix up their colors and check it out against Mel's. Um, and then it, once they're dry, they can just wipe it off and be ready for the next time that they, they want to work on that project. Yeah. That's super cool. Um, you know, it's something I, I, I uh, have been, using my own uh, union membership book for is, you know, um, if I, uh, if I mix up a, a unique blended paint that I know I'm going to want again, I'm trying to like, remember to put little swatches of it in the, in my union membership book. So I, I have a reference for it to, uh, for yeah. later. 
but having that for a terrain book, you know, especially if it's laminated, that's that's quite brilliant, you know, for um, maintaining consistency across a, a project that can be as big as a terrain piece. Yeah, it is, a, it is a cool, uh, definitely a cool um, approach. So I'm excited we're able to include that in the in the campaign. Yeah, that's a great idea. And then your other one is, I believe, um, a basing guide, right, for, for basing yeah. nature. Yeah, we had a lot of people ask um, if we could put in a chapter about basing. Uh, but Mel's Mel spent the last year really uh, working out what he wants in the book, um, in each of the pages of the book, um, sort of adding extra bullet points. To, he basically has a wall in his studio, which is covered in um, essentially post-it notes. Yeah. Um, where and he's been switching things around and like putting things where they make a little bit more sense. And as he's had time to think about it, it's like, oh, I need to add this here and move it from that section. Um, so he's got, he knows what he wants in the book. And so when we had a lot of people asking about bases, it was like bases aren't, they are terrain, but they're not quite terrain. Right. They're in a, an odd limbo sort of state. But uh, so we wanted to address that request, but do it in a way that didn't impact the number of pages that he was going to be able to have in the book. So after he's finished writing the book and sent everything off to me, he's going to start working on that section, or that, that PDF that we're going to do. Um, which is great because it doesn't have to be printed. It means that while I've, once I've finished laying out the book and I, as soon as I've sent it off to the printers, I can start laying out the PDF for the basing guide and have that ready to go with the digital content when we, uh, send that out to backers. That's super cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think your approach to the whole thing is great. And, you know, I've, I've published books myself in the past and, uh, via Kickstarter and, and just, you know, concentrating on the quality of the book and, you know, the, um, what goes into it as your, your stretch goals is definitely a, a really good way to go. Um, I think it's, I think it's very cool. You know, the way your approach is, we're not just, you know, we're not just adding eight more pages. It's going to be eight more pages of water and snow techniques and photography. And, um, I think that, that's really cool. You, you've got that focus on, um, specifically what you're doing with that. Yeah, the the cool th- the cool thing with that is um, so Mel has has gone through and worked it out. And I said, okay, what's our what's the dream book size, and what's our initial? We we don't know how it's going to go. It's been ages. Sure. There was a terrain book on the market, and that's either because the market's really ready for one now, or it's because the market doesn't care about terrain books. So it could have gone either way. Um, but uh, so we we turned it back down to a ninety six page softback book, and. In that process, it was like, okay, so Mel wanted to have uh, X, Y, and Z in uh, hills and rocks. So when we trimmed it down, we, we just left X in there, which is the most important part. And as we're going through, we'll be able to add, in, add back in the Y and the Z. Yeah, I'm very excited for this book. Um, in fact, you know, I hope maybe when, when the book releases, we can maybe get Mel on the Brushholders Union podcast to talk about it. Oh, I think that'd be fantastic. Yeah, he'd definitely love to. He seems uh, like the nicest guy too, which is always cool. Yeah, he is. He's uh, he's very um, very excitable, very enthusiastic, very passionate. Um, sure. which is why it's great to great to work with him. We had a really good, uh, fantastic time at Adepticon. Um, I think we talked to quite a few podcasts and uh, and videos and and that sort of thing. Uh, we talked to like Beast of War and Guerrilla Miniature Games. And so on. But um, yeah, now tonight actually, uh, I'm flying off to the UK. Uh, and we're going to hang out at Salute, and then after uh, Salute in London, we're going. I'm going back to Mel's place. We're going to spend a couple of days, sort of nailing down all of the details. Yeah. Um, then I'm going to get to go to Nottingham for a week uh, and hang out with some friends there, and spend a bit of time looking around the Warhammer World um, exhibition. And then uh, for the final weekend of the campaign, I'm going to go back to Mel's place, and on the Sunday night, we're having like a um, a celebration party. Um, mm-hmm doing a sort of a live stream that will kick off. So I think in the UK it closes at 10 p.m., which would be 5 p.m. Eastern U.S. and 2 p.m. West Coast. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, we'll be doing a, a live stream and uh, encouraging everybody through those uh, through that last sort of stretch goal to, to really hopefully get Mel to, the, uh, to, that, to his dream book, really. So oh, I, think you're, I think you guys are going to kill it. You've been, you've been doing so good. <laughs> I, I, I hope so. I think um, it, for, for my, uh, I'm, Mel is, Mel's the content. He's creating all the content. He, he has that plan for, for what it all is. And I have complete faith in that. Um, and we're focusing on that first. But after the content, after we get to that 176 pages, the next step after that is increasing the paper quality. Yeah. 
um, which is something that I, I really love. <laughs> I love that the, the feel of a, of a good book. Oh, definitely. So, um, yeah, I, I, I hope for, for both Mel's sake and for my sake that, that for the book's sake that we can, that we can make it through there. Uh, you, you guys are going to kill it. I, I have, I have full faith. <laughs> we appreciate that. It's, uh, I mean, as you know, with, uh, with Kickstarters, it's, it's always that roller coaster, right? The classic roller coaster ride of emotion. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that last three days is always uh, pretty wild. So yeah. I, I think, I think with the amount of backers you already have, you're going to, you're going to far exceed your dreams. But yeah, I, I have to say we're, we're really excited about where things are at now. And, uh, and everyone's been really supportive and, uh, and that sort of thing. I think one of the things that I'm really excited about as well is that this is uh, the first project that's been backed by about 400 of our backers. So um, it's people who either haven't wanted to look at Kickstarter before or... Well, first-time backers. But yeah, first-time backers who are really yeah. sort of excited and enthusiastic about about, um, about the product. That's great. Yeah. I think it's, it's going to be very cool. Um, well, I guess I'll probably let you go with that, but I wanted to thank you so much for, uh, for coming on the, the inaugural episode and, uh, just joining the union in general. I remember when I, when I launched the, uh, the Brushwaters union back in December and, you know, you backed it, I was like, oh, I feel, I feel weirdly validated because Dave Taylor has taken this seriously. <laughs> I, I think it's a great idea. I'm a big fan of, uh, obviously of anything that, um, that has people painting more toy soldiers. Uh, and I, the Brushwaters union is I, I see it sort of first and foremost is that um, one of the things that, that keeps people motivated is uh, talking with friends, talking with peers and uh, about projects and uh, staying excited about projects and uh, seeking information about how to sort of overcome those hurdles. Uh, it's, so it's, it, it just meshes really nicely with um, with my sort of thoughts and philosophies on, on miniature painting. So it was kind of a, it was a no-brainer to to back it and become a member. And I, I'm looking at my jacket hanging up on a hook there with my brush wheelers union patch on the sleeve. As I was putting it on, I was like, this is the first patch I've put on a piece of clothing for like 20 years. <laughs> well, it's a, uh, it's a, a great honor, Dave. And uh, thanks so much for, uh, for joining us both in the union and the podcast. Thank you very much for, uh, for having me. It's, uh, it's always cool to, to talk about toy soldiers with you. Yeah, no, it's, it's always been a pleasure speaking with you too, you know, in podcasts in the back in the past. And, um, Hopefully, maybe I'll see you at Gen Con this year, and we can we can chat in person about some stuff. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, definitely look forward to that. But uh, that's going to be a wrap for the first episode. And remember, if you're out there, go find Terrain Essentials on Kickstarter uh, by uh, Mel Bowes and being produced by or published, I should say, by Dave Taylor. So thanks so much, and we'll be back in a month with another interview. Well, cool, thank you. Brush Builders Union is a community of like-minded miniatures gamers dedicated to playing their games fully painted and supporting one another in their craft. Brush Builders Union is here to help you stay on track with tools and a community of fellow painters to encourage you in your journey. Take the Union Pledge and learn more at brushbuildersunion.com.